Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. This week we'll look at why you do not need to be worried about Australia's increasing debt. Then we'll get into the market so I can share with you my thoughts on the Australian stock market, where it's heading along with answering your questions and looking at stocks for you. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Remember, as you subscribe, click the little bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also remember to tune into our live Australian Stock Market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Now, this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favourite stocks and answer all of your questions. Many Australians are currently enjoying the benefits of the government's COVID-19 stimulus measures, although there are just as many worrying about the debt we are creating as a nation and how we will survive this. Last Thursday, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg reveals that Australia's budget would blow out to $184.5 billion over the next year, making it the biggest deficit we've experienced since World War II and putting Australia further into debt. While increasing our national debt should be concerning to all Australians, we're also needing to look at the bigger picture and put what is happening now into context. In 2019, Australia's debt to GDP was 41.8%, and after Thursday's announcement, this will rise even further. But by how much is uncertain right now, although the expectations are that it will not be an alarming increase. In comparison, if we look at US debt, we see that the debt to GDP is currently sitting at a massive 132.57%. To see the US debt to GDP level like Australia is currently experiencing, you have to go back 60 years to the 1960s when the US debt to GDP ratio was just 52.65%. Now much of the growth in debt in Australia has occurred over the last decade because in 2007 at the height of the GFC bull run, our debt to GDP level was just 9.7%. Now, when you compare that to today's level, you can start to understand why many Australians are currently concerned. Stimulus packages during the GFC also saw debt levels increase in the US significantly. But unlike the US, Australia has done an excellent job over the past four years in curbing its debt to GDP level, as it has been in the low 40% rate since 2016 and until COVID-19 was set to fall away. So, should we be concerned? 
Well, like so many others, I'm concerned, but I'm not alarmed by our debt levels for two reasons. Now, the first is that a nation's debt is very different to household debt because unlike individuals who have set periods as to when the debt must be repaid, the nation's debt has no set time limits. Secondly, our debt to GDP level is currently quite acceptable and as a nation we are much better placed than most other countries to not only handle this increased debt but also thrive over the next few years. So what are the best and worst performing sectors this week? Well, information technology was up, or was the big mover. It was up nearly 2%, while consumer discretionary. That was up over 1%, with the energy sector not too far behind now. The worst performing sectors included communication services, which was down over 2%, whilst industrials and healthcare both were down over 1%, with utilities and consumer staples. They were down just under 1%. Looking at the ASX Top 100 stocks, the best performers were QBE up almost 11%, with Oz Minerals up over 9%. Now Tabcorp was also up over 8% and Newcrest Mining that was up 5%, and several stocks were up over 4% last week, and these included IWF, Downer, EDI, Flight Centre, Goodman Group, Santos, Blue Scope Steel and ALS Limited. The worst performers include Illumina, which was down over 7%, followed by Unibail, Redamco, Westfield, and it was down over 6%, as was Insurance Australia Group, and Brambles was down over 5% last week. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Ordinaries Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you've chosen for me. Last week I was suggesting our market had one or two more weeks up before making high, but it did need to get above the high of the 9th of June, but it didn't actually do that. Earlier in the week our market went up, closed a little bit lower and again showing signs of indecision. But let's go and have a look at the charts and see actually what happens and where it might go to from here. So um, on your screen right now is a weekly chart of the All Ordinaries Index. And you can see here last week's bar, very indecisive, um, opening at 614.9, trading up to 627.230. So it traded right up. Uh, and then came back again at the end of the week and closed at 6148 points. Only four points higher for the week than it opened. Now, obviously, this is the high from the 9th of June, 6314, and it really does need to move through that to get up to my target area of six, around 6,600 points, which I was sharing with you over the last few weeks. Now, it hasn't gone through that. We've seen one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, and it still hasn't moved, and it's very moving very, very slowly. If I use my little tool here, from right back here at the end of May to currently, we're only up 4.7%. So the market definitely isn't bullish, although it's not bearish. And technically, I still need to assume it's bullish because it was bullish uh, until it tells me it's bearish. Now, that's, I suppose that sounds a little bit strange that I'm saying, hey, I need to assume it's bullish um, until it tells me the other way. And that's really what I talk about is trading on confirmation, not speculation. Right now, the market's moving sideways. Uh, it's, it's not pushing through, but it's not dropping away. And uh, what we may see over the next week or so is the market uh, start to fall away into the low that I'm expecting because I am expecting a low in this second half of 2020. So what could happen right now, and I know I did have the, the arrows on the chart, and I'm not sure whether it's on the, the next one or uh, that I have it. No, not the next one. Let me click over this one, see where they are. 
Nope, it's not on that one. I think I've taken them off. Um, so what I'm expecting with the market over the coming weeks is we've had that nice move up into here. We, what I was expecting, we could have gone up to around about this sort of level and then down into a low, possibly at, possibly somewhere around here based on where we are at the moment. Um, but the other scenario was that we got this sort of scenario, we moved up and then we just moved down into this sort of area here. So at this point in time, this is the one that's still in play a little bit because it's not moving up. Um, I do want to see it trade above that 6314 before I'm really convinced that that's not the high. And uh, if we don't do that this week, then I think we're going to start to fall away. And at this point in time, the target is about 5,600 points. It could go low as 5,300, even down to 5,100. But again, I'm still not discounting the fact that if we do get some bad news out of the US, we are in reporting season. About um, a quarter of the companies have reported in the US about 75% of reports are okay. There's nothing major there, but hey, you know, we've still got big companies to report. Uh, again, you can't predict volatility on the market and you can't predict uh, things that might occur. Uh, we can't predict how uh, the coronavirus might spread further and what might happen here. So at the end of the day, we still need to be very, very careful about what we're doing right now. What I know is if the market does move up, it's going to be very short lived before it comes down into a low, probably, in the, as I said, in that second half of this year. Probably into the third quarter, around September, October, we'll probably have a low. It could happen earlier. If we turn earlier, it'll happen earlier. If we turn a little bit later, it'll happen a little bit later. But the best we can hope for right now is just a slowing down of the market. So would I be careful buying stocks right now? Yeah, I would be very careful buying stocks. Buy good quality stocks, making sure you know what the good that has good fundamentals. Don't just speculate and, and don't just buy because you're fearing missing out on getting out of the run, getting into the run. The market's not running right now. It's going sideways. So there's nothing to fear you missing out. Uh, what you might be catching is a market falling away. You might buy in only to see your stock you're owning buy fall away. But uh, right now, we'll next week we'll probably have a bit better answer. As I said, if it doesn't trade above the high from uh, that 9th of June high, then it's likely to fall away this week. But for now, just sit back and watch and see what happens. But let's get into the questions that you've got for me. Now, the first question we've got today is from Bob, who says, Hi, Dale, what's your opinion on candlestick charts for technical analysis? Do they work on a weekly, monthly charts for blue chip stocks or, or, or are they more for daily charts? Really good question, Bob. Basically, anything you can do with a bar chart, you can do with a candlestick chart. It is that simple. So don't, um, I often say to people, say to me, oh, do what you teach in your courses, can you use that for short-term trading or can you use that for medium-term trading? trading or can you use that for trading FX or can you use it to trade options or can you use it to do whatever and the answer is yes. The answer is yes and over every time frame because when you're looking at technical analysis which is what you're talking about when you're looking at a chart whether it's a candlestick chart or a bar chart they tell you exactly the same data and that's what I really want to uh, push there. What you're talking about is candlestick reversal patterns. Uh, it's a slightly different context. So uh, I often teach traders there's content and context. So pu putting the right things in the right context. And candlestick reversal patterns aren't just for daily charts either. In short term trading, they can be used on weekly and monthly charts as well. But basically when you're looking at a candlestick chart, it has the open, high, low, close. 
that's exactly what a bar chart has. It just, it, all it does is it draws a square around the open and close or a rectangle, depending on the, how big the bar is. And it puts a color on it, whether it's black or white, or you got red, um, black and red, you have different color codings that people use. But I do use candlestick charts, but what I actually did was taught myself to read candlesticks reversals in bar charts. So that's what I do. But I won't show you on a chart, but the answer is yes. Um, but don't get too locked into them. A lot of people think, if you see a candlestick reversal pattern that the market must reverse and that's not necessarily the case there's levels of strength in candlesticks and candlestick reversals and candlestick reversals are one to three bars that means they have an effect for one to three bars not medium to longer term so that's why a lot of people talk about them being more short term so it's, but will a candlestick reversal be at the end of a big long trend probably it will be will it be at the bottom of a long-term trend probably but what you need to do is uh, marry candlesticks with other methods of analysis to determine strength because I can see haramis and dark cloud covers and bullish engulfing, bearish engulfing patterns and all sorts of other different patterns on charts all over the place where price didn't reverse or price didn't change uh, direction. And it's simply because it wasn't a significant level in price and time as well. So you get a confluence of rules, but really, really good question, Bob. Hopefully I didn't overcomplicate it for you. I was trying to keep it nice and simple, but we have also have uh, two questions on the same stock. So the first one is um, from somebody called Shits and Giggles, um, and it's on FMG. Um, they're asking, would you buy, sell, or hold? Uh, I've got 600 shares at $10, and I'm thinking long-term I should hang on to them but would love somebody else's opinion. Um, and the next one, uh, sorry, before I go into that one, I'm not gonna tell you to buy, hold or sell. That's what we don't do. Uh, you need to, if you own a stock, you need to understand why you're holding it, why you're buying it, why you're selling it. If you've got a long-term view, then why do you have that long-term view? And then why are you asking whether I'm buying, holding or sell? Because to me, long-term is three years plus. So therefore, the question is to see some somewhat obsolete or not uh, not necessary. It's probably you just want my thoughts on whether you think I th think it's still going to be bullish or whether it's going to be turning bearish. I think that's the question. So I'll look at that on the chart in a minute. The second question we've got from Rob Bowen. He said, I also would like to know about FMG's potential over 100 shares at $12.36. Wondering if I should do do go in again for more. Um, generally, uh, what we need to do when we're looking at a stock, and I'll bring it up on the charts right now. So um, FMG, you'll see that on the screen. Um, both of them are bought, both of them are in profit. One uh, bought in around that $10 mark and obviously the other one was about $14 mark. Um, right now if you're going to buy more stock, what happens is a lot of people will tend to want to buy more stock if they're making good money on a, on a share and Fortescue has done very, very, very well. But you're looking at that big move up. I think like I was saying before in the marketplace, if something's been bullish, you need to assume it will continue to be bullish until it tells you it's not. So therefore, that the answer is not about whether it's bullish long-term or medium-term. It's what is your rule around if it falls away? Because nobody rings me when a stock's rising. They only ring me when a stock's falling away or they're worried about losing some of their profits. So that means if you have an exit strategy, it's the same as having brakes on a car. You know, if you, want, if you know you've got really good brakes on a car, then you're more confident to drive that car. If you don't have brakes on the car, you're not really confident. You're not going to drive it at you know, 100 kilometres an hour. You're going to drive it at two 
because you know you don't have brakes and you won't be able to stop and the faster you go the more dangerous it is so having an exit strategy is like having brakes on a car it lets you know that line in the sand where you're going to exit so what is that for you so both of you i would i would suggest have that exit strategy whatever that is and if the stock hits that exit and you get triggered and you go out of that and it turns around and goes back up again you can always buy back yeah, brokerage is so cheap nowadays, you can just buy it back. But right now I do like the stock. Um, looking at the chart, I'll just bring up the right-hand side of the chart so you can see the weekly chart. You know, we've had two big strong moves. It's, you know, we're looking at the momentum of this market at the moment. If you look on the left-hand side, it's a little bit more more bullish um, it's a little bit more overinflated than normal momentum on this stock but uh, be interesting to see if we do get a red bar this week my opinion hasn't changed it's still bullish um, but all you need to do as I said is set a stop loss on it but if we do get a red bar a couple of red bars coming down through I would expect it to slow down because I would expect its momentum too slow uh, out of all the bank uh, all of these like BHP Rio and Fortescue it's done better I do like Rio as uh, Rio and and BHP a little bit better at the moment yes I'm not saying I'm not saying this is not going to go up it's still going to go up at the, or still highly possible it's going to go up because it hasn't told me that it's starting to fall away but if I get two three four weeks down then I might start to change my opinion but great question guys um, the next question we've got is from Stephen who's asking why does CBA's volume spike every day at 4 p.m. ah geez really good the question is is amateurs buy at the top and in professionals buy at the bottom um, amateurs open the market the professionals close the market that's as pretty much as simple as it is and uh, if you're watching our live australian stock market show about three tuesdays ago it's on every tuesday 7 to 8 p.m i was talking to janine and uh, i was i was answering somebody's question and i said to janine how often do we trade at 4 p.m out of all of the trades that we do as a fund manager and she said nearly every single one so there's your answer it's it's you've got to be really careful where you ask questions i know you know people come out and they put questions into chat forums and everything else and they have all manner of answers from people who aren't necessarily educated or qualified enough to answer those questions and um, it, it is simply most of the professionals are trading near the end of the day we trade after market as well because once the market closes at 4 p.m we can place trades at 4 p.m 401 402 403 uh, to go into the matchup after 4 p.m and so then you'll see spike in volume at those sorts of times as well as that sort of going into the market before it's closing and then obviously we go into the matchup why do we do it we get good pricing pretty much as simple as that retail traders can't buy after 4 p.m you have to have your trades in all before 4 p.m but again it's not really relevant to you as whether you want to buy cba or you don't want to buy cba shares you know i'll bring up cba anyway i think I'll, i've got a chart on here so let's have a look at cba shares and if you look here cba at the moment here's the weekly chart I'll go down to a daily chart and you can see this. Um, it's still looking like nice. I'll go and put some volume on the chart. Um, and you can see if I go back here, it's pretty reasonably consi consistent volume right through here. Always look at volume on, on a weekly basis. You know, it does share with you. This is a good stock. It's trend trending well. It's moved up for the last few months. It's looking pretty good at this point in time. It's moved up nicely since the March low. A um, little bit of indecision last week, but there's no reason why this stock wouldn't continue to move up. 
but right now you don't need to wonder you really need to worry too much about why it's spiking at 4 p.m the next the question we've got is from somebody called andrew who asks hi dale just ordered your book and can't wait to read it thanks mate uh, my question is about tpg i bought tpg stock prior to or we bought it at 690 prior to the merger with vodafone uh, while they had their ACCC battle now obviously the merger went through uh, went ahead it rose to almost nine dollars and now the merger has completed it has lost all its wind and is falling uh, i hit my trailing stop loss and i have exited are there general cooling periods after a merger or typical trends that will follow i'll wait to see what happens in the next with tpg as i would like to jump back in once it's more stable thanks in advance um really good question um, when you see mergers and acquisitions you often see periods of time where all of that takes place so that one being taken over will spike um, and then get merged into another one and we've seen tpg and obviously and vodafone merger there's a lot of great synergies there but you're going to get a period of one to two years where they're consolidating all sorts of things to work together and there are costs involved in it there are time working at how they're going to work together pulling divisions in there i know as a business we have services with tpg um, we've had them with Vodafone as well and right now you know if I ring TPG our account managers a TPG I can't get a Vodafone mobile phone plan I can't until they start merging some more divisions and getting those economies of scale right now just stay with the chart but let's have a quick look at the chart um, before I, I finish up on this stock now obviously you can see there's not a lot of data because it's just come back onto the exchange if we look at this and I'll just drag that over there and you can see here it was up at uh, at uh, $9.70 and it's fallen the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't be too worried about it, mate. I'd just be sitting back waiting to make sure it, uh, it might take three, three, four months before it starts to get, once we get a few more bars on there, we might see some support happening. Then once we get some support, then we might see it start to rise up again, but just keep watching. And there are other stocks to trade pretty much. So at this point in time, just sit back, relax, take it easy. And TPG, I think, will be a really good stock long-term. It's going to give a hell of a lot of hell to Optus and uh, to Telstra. Telstra is overpriced um, for their services. They put up their prices for their mobile phones last week. Um, Optus has decided to freeze them till, till Christmas time. But Vodafone and uh, uh, TPG, TPG had some 4G services and that's and there's a whole lot of stuff there, that the services or infrastructure that they've got that they've got more than they need. So you might find some great deals coming out of Vodafone um, and through TPG to capture a lot more of the mo mobile phone market. Obviously Telstra and Optus have the lion's share with Telstra being first, Optus second, and then Vodafone. So I think it's watch this space. TPG have always, always been really good at better service, better customer service, especially with business clients. Um, so therefore there might be a whole lot of synergies going through there with a lot more business clients being introduced to to Vodafone services. So mobile phone services, not necessarily data. Data, NBN's not real profitable for any of them. Um, we're looking at data services is, is sort of their bread and butter basically, but not super profitable. The big profit area is their mobile phones and there's some real synergies between those two, but stay tuned. I think it could be a good stock long-term. So I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, now we've got a question from Patrick who says, hey Dale, what makes you decide the percentage you would set your stop loss at? Um, numbers of reasons, something I can't discuss on YouTube simply because I would need to teach you a lot. We have numbers of stop losses. If you're talking about 
out a percentage based stop loss and what they what we call an initial stop loss I did lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of research and back testing on the majority on, on the top 100 stocks and we worked out at around 15% is a good place to put that you not lose too much um, so that you lose your shirt but you don't um, get stopped out too much and so that's what you've got to work out in terms of setting a stop loss is you've got to give the stock room to move or fall away because stocks just don't go straight up they go up a bit down a bit up a bit down a bit so when you buy sometimes they'll go down a little bit before they go up a bit so you need to give it that freedom or that space to do so a, a more volatile stock you might give a little bit more space to than something that's a little bit less volatile so let's say an, uh, an FMG or a BHP against a Telstra that sort of stuff. So Telstra, you might be able to have a slightly tighter stop loss because it's not as volatile and it'll just trend nicely as it moves up. And that's part of it with a, a an initial stop loss. There are a lot of other rules that I have around stop losses, how to set them, which are technical points uh, that I use, well, what we teach traders. But end of the day, as long as you go a maximum of 15%, but my biggest, the biggest sin that I find people do is set it way too tight. And, and they say to me, Dale, I don't want to use 10% or 15%, I only want to use five because that's all I want to lose. What happens with those people is they get stopped out far more times. And by getting stopped out far more times, they're not only realizing more losses, they're getting because they are getting stopped out more times they're increasing their costs in brokerage because they're getting in getting out getting in getting out getting in getting out because they don't trust the stop loss so all i need to do all you need to do is the stocks you're looking at go and set a stop loss at 10 percent and if you on whatever rules that you want to buy and then see how that's worked then set one at 15 percent and said if that keeps you in more trades that are profitable or it does the opposite it has you losing more money and it's about understanding and testing the not the rules that you have and coming up with a system for you and that's the biggest thing that we teach traders is giving them structure and strategy and a system so rules you can find all over the place but how do you put them together in a workable plan and make sure they're consistent so that you do get profitable outcomes on a consistent basis but uh, I mean that's really uh, what it is and so basically just play with the shares that you're looking at make sure you set the stop loss that it's appropriate for that share or the share that you're looking at but thanks for sending in your questions we've had some really rippers today and thanks for watching till the end of the video now if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer just stick them below in the chat box and uh, if you put them down there I'll answer your questions or I'll try and get to all your questions as, if I can so remember that on this channel we do these Monday market reports every week and we also do a live stream every Tuesday night 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time remember to hit the subscribe button now and click the little bell on the right of it so you know when we go live with some new videos that's it from me. I'm Dale Gillum. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.